It is Locked on Jazz for the 13th of January. It's an Ask LOJ day, and you want to know about Jordan Clarkson's efficiency, John Collins' trades, what teams might blow it up, where Walker Kessler's going, a Western Conference breakdown, and a little points gained. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first Listen, every day we are free and available on all podcasting apps. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. If you're watching on YouTube, please join the community. Chat with all the others. They're great people. It's been fun to watch that grow. Interact, have a good time. And please subscribe and hit that star bu- the bell button so you get notified every time we do something. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn, the job market for you where the fastest and most qualified candidates are there for you. LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, I love Ask LOJ Fridays. We haven't done enough of them. You guys always step up with awesome stuff. Um, I'd kind of give you a big, usually if there's a hot topic or something, I'll lead with it. With two days off, I don't think there really is one. The injury update does feel pretty good, like we might see Taylor Horton Tucker, and we might see Colin Sexton tonight, which would help um, the Jazz a little bit in with their depth, um, it doesn't sound... Kelly will be reevaluated in a little bit, so that doesn't sound like that's super close. We do need that. Uh, Magic tonight, Paulo Bencaro, if you've not seen him, he's pretty great. Franz Wagner, we talked about yesterday on Late Game Watches. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, so that is... And he's uh, he's just bona fide. So they'll, they'll have big ball handlers tonight. Like, they're the future. They're playing the game the way the future is going to be played with 6'8", six, 6'9", six, ball handlers. Uh, they really don't have, they have kind of a point guard problem. Jalen Suggs has not panned out yet. Markel Fultz is interesting, but got issues. Cole Anthony is a 6'1", so you call him a point guard, and there's nothing about him that's a point guard. So it's probably why Orlando 16 and 26. Uh, all right, let's get to your questions, because you have you were great uh, today. These were super good. So let's jump right into them um, and start off with a deep dive that's only a question you get on lockdown. What is the efficiency in Jordan Clarkson's pick and roll, seems to my eye that he's struggling the most from the absence of Gobert's pick setting. So it's a really, I love the question. And um, and this is why I actually also really believe in data because that is something that I probably would have agreed with just intuitively and said to you, yeah, I think that's totally true. It's actually not. So Jordan's been... Really, really good in the pick and roll for the Jazz so far this year. Um, and I'll pull up some data for you here. So the first one is that Jordan is on pick and rolls is up to about 0.99 last time I checked. Uh, excuse me, 1.04, 1.04. In December, he was 1.11. He was by far the best on the roster at 1.11 in December. Um, contrasting this, these are a few days old, but actually I probably could get them for you really quickly. Um without having them be a few days old. But a few days old, Conley was at 0.99. Sexton was at 0.94. Horton Tucker at 0.86. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was at 0.89, but with a better December. And Lowry 
uh, was in. So Jordan's actually been kind of far and away our best pick and roll player this year. And this is a huge change on who Jordan, kind of who Jordan is. Um, he is not, he was not a super good pick and roll player last year. In fact, sometimes Rudy and he, I thought, got in each other's way because Rudy, because Clarkson wants to go do the dance. Um, Jordan was pretty good last year at 1.02. And with Rudy, he was 0.97. He was actually much better last year with Hassan Whiteside um, as a pick and roll player. So it's a great question because I, I think, you know, first of all, it gets us to dig in and find the numbers to tell us the truth. Um, Jordan's actually all the way up to 1.05 now. Um, he, he's just getting better and better and better at the pick and roll. He is superb with Kelly Olynyk. He's getting better with Walker Kessler. He hasn't quite figured it out with Lowry Markkinen. And he's the only one who's had any success running the pick and roll with Jared Vanderbilt. Um, so kind of an interesting, you know, uh, you kind of lead us into a thing that he actually, he and he and Jared Vanderbilt have had some success together, which a bunch of the other guys have not. Um, so great question. Appreciate that very much. Let's go to our next one on Ask LOJ. We do this each week. You can hit uh, hashtag Ask LOJ. Um, and then it comes up. It's the only way I get it, though. So make sure you include the hashtag AskLOJ. We do this probably every other Friday on the program. Um, why do we keep seeing packages for John Collins? Do the Jazz value him? I see Real GM report a package that included Vando for Collins and other stuff like trading Vando for the same player as return. Admittedly, I don't watch the Hawks ball. Uh, I'll hang up and listen. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so... I do think there's two things here. I think one, John Collins is a nice player. Okay, so that's that's part of it. And he's having a down year. Two, and, and Atlanta has a lot of talent they have to figure out. Like, I'm not sure Atlanta's, and they just, uh, Travis Link, their GM, just stepped down. So they're 19 and 22. Um, they're in kind of a funky spot. Nate McMillan seems to be kind of on a tightrope right now. Um, and so John Collins is interesting. He's 6'9", 235. He's five, six years in the league, so I think he's pretty well established. Up until this year, he'd averaged between the last four years between, you know, 18, 16 last year and 22 points a game. His numbers have gone down each of the last few years in points per game. Um, he's a decent three-point shooter at 36%. He's a pretty good rebounder from seven to 10 rebounds a game. He passes a little bit. He kind of does a little bit of everything. He's been, at times in his career, really wildly efficient. Effective field goal percentage at 63 and 61%. He has dipped the last few years, but that simply is probably the same time that Nate McMillan took over as the head coach. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think that there's, there, there's a, like John Collins is a legitimately good basketball player who has had success, who Atlanta seems to have too many players, who's under a pretty substantial contract. And so, therefore, I think he's making $23 million this year. And I think he goes up to about 26 or 27 in the next two years, um, which actually, as the salary cap continues to raise, is not that bad. So, I mean, he's a piece that would be a really nice addition to the Jazz. He's, he's a good player, and as you're trying to find places where you can get people. The other thing I do think that's going on here is that you get attached to exactly as the way you phrased it, which is that occasionally a team gets attached to a player, and then when team, when reporters are doing rumors, they just kind of stay with it. Um, and the Jazz have been attached to John Collins for a really, really long time. Um, and so I can understand that. Um, 
And that I think that's a little bit of what's going on here. Another kind of John Collins question coming in. More importantly, why would the Jazz want John Collins? Averaging 13 and 8 this season, second lowest of his career, first being his rookie season. So I think you're looking at that and deciding it's the circumstance. If Kongu's getting more time, uh, Nate's using the team differently, they added DeJounte Murray. And so you have to have looked at John Collins, and if this is in fact someone you're interested in, and say, almost the way you did with Lowry Marketing, but not expecting the same thing. Like, actually, if we open him up a little bit, we give him some more freedom, he can actually do some things and be... Um, and and thrive for us. He you know he moves the ball. He passes. He's a ball mover. He matches what we want out of players. You know he doesn't play selfishly. He's a good kid. Like these things that match who you want as a franchise. So that's I think you know a little bit what you're doing at this point as a franchise is trying to find guys that match what Will Hardy wants. And Will Hardy wants guys that are going to play hard and play for the team. I think after that he'll give you a great deal of freedom. If you start playing for yourself and not playing hard, Will's going to have a really big problem with that. Otherwise, I think. Will's going to be pretty solid uh, with anything that's going on. All right, a bunch of Walker-Kessler questions circling around for us. I do want to touch on one news item today, and that's about extensions. And there's a bunch of talk about Jordan and his extension and whether he didn't, he clearly hasn't signed it or we'd have a report. Um, so let's just understand this, and this has nothing to do with Jordan. The way the league is right now, that there's another TV deal coming. There are rumors that this TV deal is going to make the max contract be $70 million and the average contract be $30 million. And that might be high, but that's like that's some of the discussion. If, in fact, there's anywhere near the truth on that, you it's impossible for a player to sign an extension right now. There are limits on how much you can sign your extension for, what percentage you can get an increase for every year. And that increase that we're talking about is is so far below what the sal- how much the salary cap may jump in the new deal that I don't think you're going to see any player sign extensions. You're going to, almost no one unless they're already at a really big number and even then. So I think you're going to see and you're going to it's going to be this is also where like Cleveland's in real trouble with Donovan. That Cleveland can extend Donovan, there's just no chance he's going to do it. And so he's going to go to free agency. Every single one of these teams that has one of these, you know, marquee guys, maybe Memphis John Morant. I don't, you know, I'm not just making guys up, but just me. None of them are going to sign their natural extensions. They're all going to want to go to free agency and take advantage of the new TV contract when it comes out. So when you hear Jordan may have not signed his extension, I wouldn't go hit a panic button on it because I don't think you're going to see any player sign their extension anywhere across the entire league. There literally may be zero extension signed other than rookie extensions of a rookie deal where you're a restricted free agent on the backside anyway. Um, so keep an eye on that. If you do see a bunch of guys signing extensions, and I'm wrong on this, and then Jordan hasn't, then you can worry. But I'm pretty certain that I'm actually not wrong on this. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan, And in Linden, the Hyundai, the Murdoch's family has been with Utah for over 80 years, giving you the no regrets treatment every single time. Blake always talks about going to the grocery store, going to church, going around people that they've sold cars for uh, with and want to make sure that they've had the most wonderful experience. And the Hyundai lineup is just outstanding. We own two of the Santa Fe's. We own the Ionic, the new electric, which was the Motor Trend car of the year. The Sonata was the, or the Lantra was the North American car of the year. And the SUV lineup is amazing. The Palisade, the... 
with the Santa Fe, then the Tucson, and the zippy little Kona. You can check it all out at Murdoch Hyundai, located in Linden and in Logan, plus at 4646 South State Street. In fact, if you're going to, please email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com so I can set you up with a VIP meeting with Cam at State Street or with Jake over in Linden. We'll take care of you. Email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet online, odds, news, scores, and more with Bet Online getting you taken care of every step of the way with all the odds for this weekend and the exciting of the NFL season. Some big ones are out there. NBA odds, uh, you can get involved in the action there if you want to as well. On the NFL front, the Seahawks are still a nine and a half point dog to play the Niners, whereas the Chargers are a two and a half point favorite on the road in Jacksonville on Saturday. Monday night, Cowboys are a two and a half point favorite on the road. Bengals, nine and a half point favorites. At home, as are the Buffalo Bills at 13 and a half. They're not expecting good games there. NBA tonight, Jazz and the Magic. Jazz are six-point favorite with an over-under at 233 and a half. Big games tonight, Nuggets and Clippers. Clippers are a two-point favorite at home in that one. Minnesota is a five-point favorite against the shorthanded Phoenix Suns at home after Minnesota's weird performance last night, or two nights ago. That's all at BetOnline, BetOnline.net, where the odds, news, scores, more. It's where the game starts. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, make sure you grab the 22-minute recap of all things sports. Locked on Sports Today. If you have a job, if you have a Kid, if you have a pet, you have something that's taking your time away from knowing what's going on in the sports world, that's your answer. It's Locked On Sports today. All right, let's get back to your questions. They've been super so far. And let's get to some Walker Kessler love. People want to know about our guy, Walker. Uh, What does the front office want from Walker to work on? Strength, agility, quickness, low post moves, 15-foot jumper. What is the one area one of our guys could improve on would benefit the team the most? So, uh... I think the two things, one on walkers is natural body strength. So you guys have known me for a long time. My son's a sophomore in college. He was born one year to the day, shares a birthday with Walker Kessler after Walker. Walker's a kid, right? He's a college kid. He should be a, he should be like a junior or senior in college. Um, so the first thing is just body strength. You've seen him just get pinned under the glass by Jokic, by Gobert, by Sabonis, like he's just gotten pummeled a bunch of times with lack of strength. Specifically right now, one of the biggest things they're working on is screen setting. He's just got to be better impact on the game offensively to be able to stay on the floor, particularly they'd like him to close games, but his offense is behind on the fundamentals, pick setting, things of that nature. Uh, That's a huge one. And to allow to free other guys. He, really made set some really good picks late in the game um, the other night when uh, to free Jordan and actually on the place Jordan got fouled. So that's step. The, then on the defensive end, one of the things Will talked about the other day was rebounding, that Walker's actually does a pretty good job of going and boxing somebody out, but then he actually never goes and gets the basketball. And so the um, one of the things in this league, you're actually just putting a hip on someone to dislodge them. And then if you're the tallest guy on the floor, you just got to reach out and go get the ball. I actually thought he did a better job with that uh, last game. Lowry was incredible on his rebounding last game. So those are probably some of the, a lot of those are strength. 
Um, from an offensive development standpoint, he actually hit that 15-footer the other night. His touch is not bad. His free throw shooting will get better. And I just think those pieces of his game will develop very naturally. They're the fun things to work on. But what the front office probably wants Walker to work on are the things that are not quite as much fun, which is the pick setting, the rebounding, the grinding kind of things. Uh, another Walker question coming in. Why doesn't Walker move to the starting five? He's proved that his defensive combination is more significant than any other player on the team. For a team that's at the bottom of the league defensively, can... Uh, this can be season-changing move. So, few de- points here. One is he, with a Linux out, he is in the starting lineup. It'll be interesting to see if he stay after doing it for two or three weeks, whether he stays there. Will has occasionally thrown him into the starting lineup with intention, I think, of him staying there. And if you actually remember, like, the first play against Minnesota against Rudy, Rudy Gobert literally sticks him underneath the basket and dunks on him. And then Sabonis does the same thing. And Jokic, like, there are, against some of these men... This is a hard matchup for Walker. And part of the reason some of his defensive numbers are as good as they are is because of the fact that Will Hardy's done a wonderful job of protecting him and putting him in circumstances where he gets extended minutes where he can have success. Um, his two best defensive games kind of that come to mind are that Miami game that was against kind of non-centers. And now I can't think of the other one, frankly, to be totally honest. Um, and I thought it was in my notes and it's not. Um, so I'd have to go back and look it up. Uh but there, he's you know he has struggled sometimes against the bigger guys, and so you're trying to get Walker as much time and effort and energy as you can or experience as you can right now without breaking him. And so sometimes the starting five is a lot, um, and you've seen them kind of bounce around. I, I suspect post All Star break there'll be a, a throw Walker in the deep end. Right now, I think Walker's treading water, like exhausted mentally, physically, rookie wall playing 40-whatever games, never played this many games before, and you have to be a little careful what you do with Walker right now. Whereas, I think post-All-Star break, he gets to All-Star break, dragging comes out of it, and I think you throw him I think you throw him to the Wolves at that point. Looking at the teams around 6 through 12, who figures things out and separates themselves from the pack? Who falls apart or we just stay in a clump and fight for playoffing position? This is a super question. So... There's one is you can kind of look. The first thing I look at is data. And that would be like, who's got the best um, differential, right? Who's, who's differential offensive efficiency minus defensive efficiency is the best of this group. So in the West, the efficiency ratings would have Memphis at one. They're, that's where they're on the standings. New Orleans at two. Denver at three. That's, they're actually Denver and New Orleans are tied. So th- those are the top three teams. And then they actually have Sacramento at four. Sacramento's the fifth best team in differential. Phoenix is fifth. The Jazz are sixth with Dallas. So the data would actually tell you that the Jazz actually have the team that is the most likely to maybe, with differential, make a little bump right now. Playing 11 out of 12, make a little run. 11 out of 13 home could make a little run. Our differential overall is a point seven. Phoenix is better at 1.3 and had the injuries. The Clippers are a negative 0.8. The Timberwolves are a negative 0.7. The Warriors are minus 0.1. I think the Warriors still are the favorite in the West right now. I don't know that I believe Denver can win it with a defense in the 20s, like late 20s. I don't think Memphis can win it with an offensive half court that's 23rd. I don't know that I think New Orleans is ready to win it, though, when they get healthy. Who knows? Luka, there's just not enough guys around him. Um, Sacramento's not re- Like, Phoenix I, might be broken. Like, the Clippers, I just... I, I keep waiting for the Clippers. I'm taking the Warriors as the favorite. So that would be my first team to actually separate us. The Warriors get healthy here and they separate and they suddenly are in the top six and then they actually think they go win the West. 
Phoenix would be the next team that separates because they have an injury coming back that Devin Booker makes the jump up. And then the Clippers would be the third in the sense that they get healthy. That would be the intuitive three teams. Minnesota, I just don't know. Like, I keep, I picked them to win the West in the regular season with the best record. I keep waiting for this. And then they go allow 135 points to Detroit. Right about the moment I thought Portland was real, watching them late game, Dame looks great. He had another monster night last night. They've lost, what, five in a row? Um, And suddenly don't look right. So I do think the bottom three teams are going to be Utah, Minnesota, Portland, and we probably should give Oklahoma City credit their due, and they're going to be battling for the final playing spots. The Lakers, who have played much, much better, I think they lost last night. I think Dallas ended up holding on to win that game in double overtime. You know, they do get Anthony Davis back here shortly. They, they should be able to make a little run to get into the play-in. Isn't that funny? We talk about the Lakers getting the play-in. Unless the minute Le- LeBron has is breaking down. So, 6 through 12, my guess, and I'm going to include Lakers who are 13, is Warriors and Phoenix surge up. Utah, Minnesota, and Portland kind of hang out, and the Lakers get in that mix, and two of those four teams make the play-in. Um, and obviously, trade deadline choices by front offices uh, will make have a huge impact on that as well. It's a great question. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, this is the kind of fun stuff that we, we get to do all the time now. If Chicago blew it up, which player or players would you like the Jazz to go after? Not necessarily for this season, but the long term. So the number one guy here is, is Zach Levine. Um, obviously is who you're, you're probably thinking about. Um, the most is Zach Levine because um, Zach Levine is a bona fide scorer on a brand new max contract, does have a knee problem, and just but also has huge questions about whether he's a winner or not. And and so I, I I've always been kind of mesmerized by Zach Levine. Honestly, Zach Levine and Andrew Wiggins were two guys that I just have always talked about acquiring um, when Andrew Wiggins wasn't putting it together. Um, Patrick Williams is developing nicely. I would be really surprised if they would move him. Um, Alex Caruso, I think, will go to a contender here at the deadline. And then that's it. Like, I'm not touching Lonzo Ball in those knees. I'm not interested in DeMar DeRozan. Um, I know it's cute and everyone wants to love the mid-range game and all of this, but, like, if you go look at the offensive rankings of his teams, they aren't good. Like, these guys are 16th in the league offensively. Like, as great as DeMar DeRozan is, the lack of three-point shooting really makes it hard for him to be a highly efficient player. The eight free throws does. He does move it. Um, but he's 33 years old, so he just doesn't match our timeline. Vukovic is 32, doesn't match our timeline. And so I don't think you can get Patrick Williams at 21 years old. And so Zach Levine at 27, if you're trying to hit an accelerator and you want that max contract for the next few years, is at least interesting um, you just don't find many guys that shoot the ball and score the way Zach Levine do. And I, I just would think you can find a way to make him play defense um, and figure it out. Um, but we'll see. Um, I think Levine gets moved. I think there's a bunch of big names that get moved here. I, I'm not entirely convinced that Trey Young doesn't get moved here at some point from all the murmurs. Um, so I think there's some big, I think there's some big names that get moved here pretty shortly uh, in the NBA. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Um Next one. Points gained update. Are there any players that stand out? Well, let's do that next then. Let's look at our Friday edition of points gained. I do have one other Ask LOJ question I want to get in uh, to the show as well today um, on points gained. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. 
LinkedIn jobs where you can get, it's hard to hire right now, right? We all kind of, I think, are are aware of that, that there's, there's nothing easy going on with trying to hire uh, people right now. And the hardest part about it is often finding the right candidate for your group. And uh, finding the right candidate takes time and effort and can really almost wear out your entire staff if you're not careful. So that's where LinkedIn comes in um, to help everyone out because LinkedIn does amazing work to make sure that with their all their various techniques that LinkedIn jobs can make sure that you end up with the best candidate. So go to linkedin.com slash locked on NBA right now and get your first post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA post your job for free they help you find qualified candidates you can talk want to talk to faster and you can post your job for free they make it easy to screen and rate applicants based on job uh, qualifications all on one platform they go beyond the resume data by using insights to the job posts and they have 875 member profiles to pull from the post most qualified candidates it's all at LinkedIn job linkedin.com slash locked on nba that's linkedin.com slash locked on n b a thanks so much for making locked on jazz your first listen of the day go ahead and grab locked on nba's game to game program as your next listen um i want to get this question in before we go to points gained why aren't the Jazz campaigning for Jordan Clarkson to be an all-star? I know Lowry is everyone's object of fascination, and I get it, but hasn't J.C. earned it too? Why not both? Well, I think the chances of us getting both is almost zero. In fact, is zero. And so, to some extent, you have to make a choice on who you're going to really run the campaign for based on what you think is the opportunity to get an all-star. It is probably important for the organization to get an all-star at their own all-star game, right? Like, that, ideally, that was talked about so much, about whether the Jazz cared about having an all-star and wouldn't make trades because of it. There was no way you were going to hamstring the entire franchise just to avoid, you know, losing an all-star uh, or not have just to have an all-star at your all-star game. But if you have a chance, you're going to do it. The Jazz have a chance with Lowry Markin. It's going to be really tight. But I don't know that I think... I don't think they can get both Jordan and... Uh, Lowry, and honestly, I don't know that, I mean, Jordan's been great, but I don't know that he's an all-star. Like, he's averaging 20 points a game, but there's a lot of guards and wing players that are playing all-star when you start to, I mean, Lowry's going to have a really hard time making it. Like, Sabonis is probably in ahead of him. It's tight. Um, And so, and De'Aaron Fox is in. Like, you just start running down the front court players, you're going to have a hard time, I think, finding spot for JC. So, he's been great, but that's probably why. I thought it was a good question. Sure, a lot of people wanted to know the answer to that, so let's get to it. All right, let's get to points gained. Points gained is our... Metric that um, evaluates offensive players based on their efficiency of using a possession and how often they can get a possession off. Um, It's pretty interesting right now. So the number one player in the NBA is Kevin Durant at at plus 4.2, which is really, really high. What that means is that with the 22 scoring opportunities that Durant has every night, he scores four points more than average offensive players would score with those possessions. So right now we have two players over four. And we have five uh, five players over three. We usually, by the end of the year, we have like three players over three and then 10 players over two. Anything over two means you're really, really at a high level and um, doing awesome stuff. So here are the players that are at that level in the NBA right now. Durant, 4.2. Jokic, 4.1. Steph Curry, 3.8. These are not surprising names. It tells you the metric's pretty good. Anthony Davis is the fourth best at 3.4. And Joel Embiid is the fifth best at 3.3. 
Lowry Markkinen is sixth in the NBA right now in points gained at 3.2. It's a huge number. It's really incredible. It's why it's a no-brainer he should make the All-Star team. Zion Williamson, 3.0. Dematis Sabonis is 2.8. The only reason I think Dematis is in ahead of him is because of the Kings record. Thomas Bryant, who's really helped the Lakers, is at 2.6. One of the biggest stories of the year is that Donovan Mitchell is at 2.5. He was never this efficient player prior. Um, his 40% three-point shooting at the volume he's taking threes is doing it. Rudy Gobert has now upped it up to 2.4, where he kind of always is. Robert Williams of Boston is at 2.4. This is where you get into the centers. Nick Claxton's at 2.2. Luca's at a 2.1. Miles Turner at 2.1. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander is at 2.0. Uh, just so you know, Boyan's at 1.8. Jason Tatum's at a 1.7, kind of elite players. So the question was, what player might be in here that maybe people don't recognize is as good as you would have thought otherwise? Um, one is Mason Plumley, who actually, now that he can sort of make a free throw at 60%, is really playing well for Charlotte. Another one is Wendell Carter for Orlando tonight. I think it's a lot better than people realize, who you'll see tonight at 1.4. Kelly Olenek comes in at about 1.3. Then you get into some things where, you know, being efficient as a guard is hard. Alec Burks is having a tremendous year in Detroit, will be highly sought after at the trade deadline, I think, the way he's playing. Harrison Barnes always stays efficient. Luke Kennard uh, doing the same thing in for the Clippers. Uh, Larry Nance for New Orleans is above one, which is really good for just kind of any player to be above one. Uh, a kid I like tonight, not great defensively for Orlando. We'll play a little bit. Mo Wagner, keep an eye on him. I think he's been, he's actually comes up and shows up in some efficiency numbers. Um, that's probably the extent of it. You kind of sometimes just want to find, um, average players if you can. Um, John Collins, who's having this kind of tough year, just to give everyone that number, uh, is a, even offensive player, he's been better over the years past, so that's fine. Like, what you actually want to have is that every player on your team is is even and average. Um, Trey Young is a minus one this year, and Dejounte Murray is a minus two. Um, just to give you an idea of kind of how incredible what Donovan's doing. The least efficient players in the league, which I don't know, a lot of us seem to find enjoyment looking at, and we'll look at the Jazz as well. These are the players that have the biggest negative impact on their teams. Um, Chris Middleton and Cade Cunningham have not played much. Terry Rozier at minus 2.9. So let's watch trade deadline. When everyone's talking about Terry Rozier, I would probably stay away. Cody Martin minus two, uh, has not played much. Russell Westbrook's in his regular spot. Dylan Brooks minus 2.6 really does hurt Memphis's offense. He might be their grit and their grind and all that stuff. Kelly Oubre and Charlotte's a minus 2.5. Killian Hayes a minus 2.2. DeJounte Murray in Atlanta. Trey Young's getting a lot of blame um, but DeJounte Murray at minus 2.2 is really, really hurting Atlanta right now um, at that. Jalen Green, minus 2.0 in Houston, second-year player. I wouldn't be too worried, but I'd start to worry a little bit. Um, though I do love Jalen Green's 11% of his possessions at the free throw line. That's a really good sign. Um, everyone's so excited about John Wall for the Clippers. He's a minus 1.9. This is not surprising to me. He always has been. We're always wondering kind of a little bit what's off with Sharp with Toronto this year. Why are they not quite right? Because Fred Van Vliet's a minus 1.9 and Scotty Barnes is a minus 1.8. RJ Barrett's a minus 1.8, but really he and Lowry Markinen are close. Oh, that's not true. Um, other ones, we got a bunch of young kids that play in there because that's what young kids do. Keldon Johnson putting up big numbers in San Antonio, but they're really inefficient. He's a minus 1.6. Josh Giddy, the 
man who keeps me up at night trying to figure out what I think about the NBA is at a minus 1.5 going to the free throw line, just 3.6% of his possessions. I actually think I know what I think of Josh Giddey, and I'm not with everyone else, and it makes me uncomfortable, but there's just too many metrics that head the wrong direction. How's that? All right, let's get to the Jazz, and then we'll do top 10 players, um, the, or last 10 games, who's the hottest, who's not. Marketing 3.2, Olenek 1.3, Walker Kessler 1.1, Colin Sexton 0.6, which is super good. Uh, for a guard, Jared Vanderbilt, 0.5. Alexander Walker, 0.4, which is cool because he was the least efficient player in the league a year ago. Jordan Clarkson's at minus 0.3, so he's right on league average, um, which is better than he has been over the years. Malik Beasley's at minus 0.9. Someone said, poor Malik Beasley's living on a glacier right now because he's just cold. He'll pop out of it. He's too good a shooter. Mike Conley's at minus 1.1. Rudy Gay's at minus 1.3. And Taylor Horton Tucker is at minus 1.5. Let's look at the last 10 games. Hottest players. In the NBA, and they are, I'm running a search. I I don't look at these before you do. Uh, Having actually played 10, let's have you, let's set a minimum of that you've actually played greater than seven of the last 10 games. So that's, I'm taking eight. You have to have played eight. That seems actually a little high. In this day and age when no one ever actually plays, let's, let's do that. Let's include the seventh game. Okay, Nikola Jokic is the hottest player in the league, followed by Thomas Bryant, Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, Mason Plumley of the Charlotte. Hey, I told you that. LeBron James, Lowry Markkinen, Zach Levine. We talked about him earlier. He's on fire. Christian Wood of Dallas, Demata Sabonis, Daniel Gafford, Washington, Robert Williams, Rudy Gobert, Buddy Heald, Nick Claxton, Alec Burke, C.J. McCollum, who was really terrible earlier this year, is heated up. That's a, that's a really interesting development right there. He was really, really, really poor earlier this year. Um, and we've kind of been wondering when he clicks in what it will do for New Orleans. Kawhi Leonard, Tyrese Halliburton, Franz Wagner, who we'll see tonight, really like him a lot. Kevin Herter, Dwight Powell. And then Jordan Clarkson's at a 1.9 recently, which is great for Jordan. Coldest players in the NBA recently... DeJounte Murray, a lot of talk here. Dylan Brooks, Chris Durant, uh, Durant or Duarte in Indiana, LaMelo Ball. Boy, I am I'll, one of my late game watches recently with Charlotte. I, I'm, I've been the biggest LaMelo Ball fan alive, and I am not quite sure. Ty Ty Washington, Dwayne Washington, Malik Beasley, Desmond Bain, Paulo Boncaro, who we'll see tonight may have hit the rookie wall, has not been particularly strong recently. 40% from the field, 31% from three. Jalen Green, Scotty Barnes, Jordan Poole cooling off. Fred Van Vliet, Jose Alvarado, that's kind of worn out. Uh, Malik Flynn, I said Dame looked great. His efficiency's not. He's minus 2.9 recently. Uh, so is DeAndre Ayton and Kyle Kuzma. Some surprising names um, in there of players that have cooled off. All right, that is your points game. That is your Locked on Jazz. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful day.